0: Christians are so thankful, and I'm sure that we all are uh, this evening for the Psalms, for the experiences that they uh, bring to us, and how they resonate with what we ourselves are feeling uh, at various times in our lives. But the Psalms are also sung theology, they're they're the whole of Scripture uh, in verse form, everything is there, Uh, creation, uh, exodus, the story of Israel, the promises of God unfolding, the, uh, the law is there, the coming of the Saviour uh, is there, the sufferings of the Saviour and the final uh, consummation uh, of all things, everything is there uh, in the Psalms, the new heavens and the earth, uh, it's all there. And um, we're grateful, I think, to the Psalms, particularly for the honesty of their expression. And uh, I have had great cause to be sometimes alarmed and shocked by what the Psalms say, uh, that someone, a mortal man, should say to God, wake up, and uh, aren't you listening? Uh, comes as a shock the first time that you you read it. But the honesty of the Psalms uh, is very encouraging. Uh, There are things that we can say, like the Psalmist, in haste and afterwards regret that we had said them, or realised that we were wrong. So verse 22, I had said in my alarm, I'm cut off from your sight. So in a desperate situation, uh, he's jumped to a conclusion. We can jump to conclusions uh, very easily. I thought, he said, I'd said, I'm cut off from your sight. And then I realised differently. Uh, The psalms then are are honest, Uh, they speak of a hearing God, so as we outpour our hearts (coughs) to God, uh, sometimes in despair, sometimes in praise and thanksgiving, in joy or sorrow, the psalmist reminds us here, David reminds us that we come to a hearing God, a God who's not distant, or uncaring, a God whose moods we don't have to continually worry about. Does he like me? Does he not like me? Is he angry with me? Is he not angry with me? We come to have direct dealings with a God who listens to us. We have not had to penetrate layers of bureaucracy. I know uh, of which I speak working in the, the civil service. God, the Lord, the true God, is not surrounded by layers of security and bureaucracy. We may come directly to a hearing God. And time and time again, uh, David uh, reminds himself and reminds us in the psalm that in the past, he has poured out his heart. He's poured out his heart to a hearing God. And he has found again and again, that God has stepped in, God has intervened to help him time and time again because of his character, his mercy, the steadfastness, the consistency of his love. He knows our distress. He's helped us in the past and he will help us again. The question of whose fault is the trouble you're in, it's not a question that occupies God in the first instance. His instincts are those of love. We may be well be in a fix that is of our own making. Still in our distress, in our trouble, we call out to God and he intervenes. He helps, he hears us. Another theme through the psalm is that the God to whom we pour out our hearts is A refuge he is a place of safety it's there right at the beginning isn't it in you O Lord do I take refuge and then verse 2 incline your ear to me rescue me speedily be a rock of refuge for me a strong fortress to save me and those are great pictures aren't they of our security In Christ. Though we feel somewhat wobbly from day to day, we feel anything but secure, yet we are surrounded by walls of salvation, as the hymn says. And we're familiar with castles, aren't we, in Wales? We can walk around them. Indeed, uh, Psalm 48 encourages us to walk around Zion, the city of God, and admire the thickness of the walls and the strength of the bulwarks and how impregnable the fortress is. But I want to suggest that um, (coughs) the psalm has uh, an even better uh, and possibly more accurate representation of how secure we are in God, in Christ Christ. And it's there in the words of our text. My times are in your hand. So the best representation of our safety, our security, is that we are in the hands of God. This is how the Lord Jesus uh, describes our security. That we are kept in his hands and then around his hands are, as it were, the Father's hands. He is there beside us, we are close to his bosom, it's protection, it's security, but it's presence as well, there's intimacy. He is inviting us in. He's not saying, look over there, there's the castle, that's where you need to be. He's saying, come in, come to me, I'm your shelter, I'm your protection. I think there are several things we can say specifically if we explore what it means to say my times are in your hand. Uh, They're all uh, drawn from David's own experience uh, relayed in the psalm. Firstly, my name is in his hand, my reputation. Let me not be put to shame, says David, and then... In verse 11, he refers to his adversaries and how he's become a reproach, especially to his neighbors. Those words there, those verses in the middle part of the psalm are reminiscent of Job's experience uh, and how he was brought to a very low state of humiliation and how his friends uh, forsook him and how he was mocked even by the children in the street. There are those, as there were for David, who have contempt and hatred uh, for Christians. We have uh, adversaries. They are not people, they're not human adversaries. No one is our enemy in that sense. But we have spiritual adversaries. And just as David was surrounded by physical opponents, so we're surrounded by enemies. But the psalmist says my times are in your hand. We can commit our name, our status to him. We need not be obsessive about what people think of us. We need not dwell about what others have said about us, what they do to us. We need not be obsessed by the devil himself, though he's real, and though he is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, we need not be obsessed with him, because the Lord Jesus of whom uh, the psalm speaks, came to bear the curse and reproach, came to bear all the taunts and the mocking that comes to sinners he bore the unreasonable hatred even of religious men he bore the shame and the spitting cross and in the empty tomb he has faced down the devil and deprived him of his power and the christian is able to say no one can lay any charge to my account Nothing shall separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's his verdict that matters and he has the last word. And secondly, my pain is in his hands. Um, There's a great deal in the psalm about the distress that David is is feeling Uh, physically. uh, It's very clear. That, uh, well, he talks in verse 10, doesn't he, about his strength failing and his bones uh, wasting away. And there's distress of mind as well. Verse 7 uh, and verse 9. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you've seen my affliction. You've known the distress of my soul. And verse 9 Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. And the Lord Jesus uh, came, didn't he, to take away our pain. He came to take away the distress that sin brings. And he comes in the cross to secure for us in heaven Bodily wholeness and perfection, and mental and emotional wholeness and perfection. While in this uh, world we shall still be subject to pain, and pain can be difficult and hard and real, but Christ has secured glory for us. And in the present, although there will be bitter cups and events and seasons of acute despair and distress for the believer in times of disability disease or pain as the hymn says the uh, work of Christ and the person of Christ sweetens those bitter cups they're sweetened for many reasons but particularly because we know that the pain that we experience in the world is not retributive pain we are not in uh, a universe which which many uh, believe in in their superstition where pain is some uh, inflicted act from uh, a remote god and we must have done something wrong in order to have been visited with this pain is not retributive pain the pain of hell is retributive pain the pain that Christ experienced at Calvary is retributive pain he was being inflicted with punishment in our place but also the pain that we experience is in his hands and therefore it's not random pain it would be a brutal it would be a bleak world wouldn't it if we experienced pain and if there was no reason for it in a godless world pain just came and came and was brutal and remorseless but no suffering is random for the believer we are in the hands of God And nothing afflicts us, nothing comes to us, except by his permission. And then uh, number three, my foes are in his hands, my enemies, my persecutors. Uh, David is conscious that there were many who were plotting and scheming against him, working out how they could uh, undermine his authority. And bring him down and destroy him, really. Satan has devices which we should not be ignorant of. He knows our weak points. He waits for our guard to be down. The devil is subtle. The devil is deceitful. He deceives himself about the power and the extent of his influence. But he is on a leash. And again, we come back to the cross and how Jesus defeated the devil there and rising again, proved and confirmed that the victory was complete. And therefore Satan is on a leash. He has to ask God before he can act against any of us. He had to do so with Job. And we think of that verse in Luke's gospel, where Jesus says to Simon Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And the demons, you know, who were in the the herd of pigs, they had to uh, plead with Jesus, didn't they, not to be sent into the abyss. My enemies, the enemies that Christians face, the principalities, the powers the God of this world, they are in his hands. They are subject to his authority. He will repay. He is a God of justice. But then, fourthly and, and finally, my death is in his hands. It's very sobering to to read a psalm like this and to see really what are pretty much suicidal thoughts in David. Uh, Just read uh, verses 9 and 10. Again, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. And then verse 12. I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I've become like a broken vessel. (coughs) David feels as though he might as well be dead already. And he may have wished himself uh, dead on this occasion, and perhaps other occasions too. And if David is feeling suicidal in the psalm, he's not alone in the Bible. And he's not alone among Christians. And uh, leading and very useful and godly Christians have been afflicted over the years by thoughts and even firm intentions to commit suicide. We mustn't forget, though, that verse uh, 5 is there and this is a verse which the Lord Jesus is conscious of and more than that that he uses when he is on the cross into your hand I commit my spirit you have redeemed me O Lord faithful God so the Lord Jesus mission his outlook is all shaped by the law the prophets the Psalms He explained to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he chooses to speak on the cross in these words of his forebear, King David. The Lord Jesus' death was unique. Uh, We might say that his life was taken from him, but it also says in Scripture that he uh, gave. Himself, He gave his life and he was in control of all the circumstances in his sufferings uh, and his death. And Jesus says that when the time is right, when everything is done, when everything is finished, he says into your hand I commit my spirit. And although our deaths will not be the same as his death, yet the fact that Jesus faced down death for us on the cross, our last enemy takes away the fear of death. And to know that if we're in his hands then that anything and everything that affects us, that occurs in our family, or work, or church, that occurs in our body, that occurs in our mind, that everything is subject to his wise care, to his fatherly concern, to his providence. And so the fear of death is taken away. It's not something that we relish, but it's something that we need not be afraid of. One of the Puritans, I forget which one, said that death for the Christian is just a grim porter opening the door into a stately palace. We look at his face and we think, oh no, and then he opens the door and we're there in paradise. The Heidelberg Catechism uh, says, this is in 1563, What is your only comfort in life and death? This is the very first question of the catechism. And the answer, that I'm not my... ...in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He's fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father... Not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him.